Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. California has a unique record. It sued President Trump over his administration's policies more than any other state. Its Attorney General, Javier Becerra, often echoes these words in bringing lawsuits over everything from climate change to immigration. In our lawsuit, we argue that this decision by the Trump administration violates the Constitution and federal law. And Becerra is way ahead. His record is 18-3 to 3 in lawsuits challenging Trump. Joining me is Kartike Marocha, Bloomberg News legal reporter. Kartike, you sat down with Becerra for a long interview. How does he view California's role in challenging the policies of the Trump administration? Is it the leader of the pack with the other states following? You know, I'm not sure that he, he wants to see himself as the leader, but I think very much so they are by default because Congress has, has taken very little action on issues like immigration and, and climate policy. And attorneys general across the country have really been leading that foray. And California has been very assertive in the last couple of years in defending especially immigrants' rights, climate policy, because they set the tone on, on so much of these emission standards, sanctuary laws. Uh, they now really pride themselves on being that thorn in the side of an administration they believe fails to abide by law. You mentioned some of the subjects of the lawsuits. Are there any suits or challenges in particular that he views as the most important? I think if they've spent so much time on fighting back on the administration's environmental deregulation policies. They have filed 49 suits. Almost half of them are all challenging climate policies, including this major lawsuit over whether California gets to set its own standards and be the standard bearer for the rest of the country. And they are undefeated on those cases. They've won 11 rulings already and 10 more are, are pending out of these 21 cases. So I think, you know, with with a lot happening unchecked in, in Washington when it comes to environmental policy, California is really priding itself on its ability to to check the administration and the EPA. With all these suits against the federal government, is it depleting the resources of his office to fight other things? He won't say so. Uh, this is this is pretty much uh, the second largest law firm in the country. They have over 1,500 attorneys uh, at their disposal. Are there things in California that they would be focusing on if not for you know, this litany of litigation against the Trump administration? Probably. But would he acknowledge that there are things falling through the cracks? Probably not. So in your story, Kartike, you have a very good explanation of how California has evolved. Just tell us how it's evolved into this fighter on the front lines. Well, if you recall in the 70s and 80s and even early 90s, this was largely a red state that as recently as 94 passed this anti-immigrant proposition that uh, was deemed discriminatory. It was effectively stating that uh, undocumented immigrants don't have rights to basic forms of, of welfare, including health care. Federal courts turned it over, and since then we've seen this reversal in terms of uh, political ideology in the state that has made it a standard bearer for progressive and left-leaning uh, politicians across the country. So let's turn to some issues within the state. For example, the future of PG&E. Did he give you any hints? 
He did a little bit. Uh, we asked him if the uh, attorney general would be taking legal action against PG&E beyond the advice it's given on bankruptcy. And he said, stay tuned, which I think is, is more than I honestly expected him to, to say. <laughs> but he's working quite closely with the governor's office and figuring out a way forward, not just legally, but, but politically. And you know, when we asked him, what, what does the state-run utility or what does the state utility look like in the next 15, 20 years, he said a lot different. You know, they're working on trying to get smarter regulations to ensure that the issues that PG&E has had, not just from fires, but these explosions in, in the Bay Area over the last couple of years, become an issue of the past, which he blames on, on infrastructure and a lack of regulation. So there's a lot of work to be done. He said that shareholders may not be very happy about uh, the way forward for PG&E. Uh, oh, so the relationship between the state attorney general and the governor is often interesting. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's a little bit of a competitive element. How does he get along with the governor, Gavin Newsom? Yeah, it seems like still a a pretty young relationship between the two of them. They're still getting to know each other. But ideologically, it appears as though they're aligned, especially on immigration and climate policy. They're they're close to both of their hearts and and want those to be uh, priorities. Also, criminal justice reform is a is a big deal for for both offices. So they seem to be largely on the same page. Uh, he didn't tip his hand in terms of any any real conflict between the two just yet. So his predecessor was Senator Kamala Harris, right. and he has a lot more of a national reputation already than she did. What are his political aspirations? He said, uh, quote, the sky's the limit. Uh, I, I suppose read into that what you will, but uh, I'm he's, one of, yeah, he's one of very few AG, state AGs who still has an office in D.C. Uh, as you mentioned, he is a member of Congress with a national profile, but he's he's kept those uh, relationships well intact over over in Congress and, and maintaining his presence in D.C. So, you know, who knows? In, in a potential Kamala Harris administration, perhaps he plays a central role. At this point, it's largely speculation, but he seems to uh, to have a, a well-charted path so far and, and looking forward to doing more in the future. Has he had to battle anything within the state, for example, any police problems or prosecutorial overreach, any of those kinds of issues? You know, the biggest issue for the attorney general has been defending these these trio of sanctuary laws that they passed um, to ensure that employers and law enforcement aren't being forced to comply with with federal agents seeking to detain undocumented immigrants. And the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, defended a lower court's decision to protect these laws. But he has had to not only defend this in court, but against other municipalities, counties, and and regional governments in California that don't agree with this. And and so, you know, California is seen as this bastion for for left-leaning politics, but there are still a number of of red counties and, and municipalities municipalities in California that he has to consider. And as a politician, it does get quite complicated. So on that front, you know, straddling that fence and ensuring that he represents the entire state, um, especially when the legislature is passing laws deemed to be uh, pro-sanctuary is is a bit of a struggle. It's a fascinating interview. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thanks for your time. uh, On the Bloomberg Terminal, and it's called California Top Cop Becerra Won't Quit Essential War on Trump. That's Cartike Marotra. He is a Bloomberg News legal reporter. 
Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.